Greetings, precious name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you to all of you who shared in the service so far. Trust that uh, it could be, could have been a blessing to each of you, and that we could have something to take from from the thoughts that have been shared already. <clears throat> take a moment and pray. Father, thank you this morning for this new day. Thank you for health and strength for each of us that are here. And Lord, if there's those that would have a desire to be here today and are not able for various reasons, we ask a blessing on them as well. Father, we recognize that And do not take for granted this opportunity and recognize that it's a blessing from you. Father, again, we just ask and invite you to be present here with us, to bless us, to pour out your spirit upon us, to allow your word uh, to be taught in our midst. And Father, to that we would have understanding Lord, that we would understand the scriptures as you desire us to understand them, that we would walk in them, uh, that we would be what you uh, intended us to be in this day and generation that we live in. So help us, Father, as uh, as we look in the word this morning, give give something for each of us, Lord, and we know your spirit is able to do that. And so, Father, as you, as you look upon our hearts and you know each of us personally, we do ask that the Spirit would uh, just uh, minister and uh, give us all something to take home, something that can be a stepping stone, something that can be a, a challenge in our own walk and, uh, and even change us into the image of Christ. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Bless us, we pray, and pour out your Spirit upon us here this day. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. Well, thank you all for coming, and I'm uh, I'm thankful this morning that that the Lord chose to send the storm a bit to our north and. We didn't have to mess with a whole lot. Otherwise, we may have not been able to be here this morning, but uh, thank God. I suppose others then had to mess with it. But uh, <clears throat> All right. Um, so for today, uh, I'm going to not... I'm not going to continue where we were on our last two messages, but going to delve into another train of thought and another other scriptures, and it will probably be a continuation in the coming message or messages, depending how the Lord guides those things. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6, where we will introduce our subject and uh, begin to lay the groundwork 
for our thoughts here today. We have here in Luke and uh, Luke chapter six, verse twenty, to the end of the chapter, we have what is sometimes referred to as the Sermon on the Plain, and uh, it's the the parallel scripture somewhat to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And we're going to take some time to just look at context of all this uh, as in the Sermon on the Mount, just to to lay some uh, groundwork for the things that we want to consider then toward the end of the message and possibly in future messages. Um, so... Um, I think we'll begin by uh, by looking at just some of the context of this scripture in Luke uh, Luke chapter the uh, sermon on the plain as it's sometimes referred to. If we go back in the chapter in chapter six just a bit uh, to the earlier part of the chapter in verse uh, twelve. Maybe we'll be break in here in verse 12 and get some of this context. It says, And it came to pass in those days that he, Jesus, went up, went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. <coughs> and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, uh, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotus, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. So we have... uh, we have uh, this, uh, this uh, precedes the sermon as it's given here in Luke, um, the sermon on the plain. Just prior to that sermon, we have Jesus here as it's uh, recorded in, in going up into the mountain, spending a night in prayer and then calling his disciples. And out of that group of disciples, we don't really know how many there were, but out of that group, he chose 12 and named them apostles. Um, and then we uh, go on to verse 17, and it says, And he came down with them and stood in the plain. And that's why it's often referred to as a sermon on the plain. Stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre, And Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and he healed them all. So there, that gives us more context to this sermon. And... uh, the, the, the reason I'm, I'm giving some of this context is simply we, we're going to look at the possibility of two things. 
Uh, one is that uh, that the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain are uh, are the same sermon, but two different people's rendition of it. The other is the possibility that um, uh, the Sermon on the Mount was in fact one uh, sermon and the Sermon on the Plain was given in another context very shortly thereafter and, uh, and was just a much more condensed version given uh, by Christ on two different occasions. Now, we're not going to prove any of that <laughs> and it doesn't actually matter. But we are going to talk about some of these things uh, because it does matter for where we're going at the end of this message. And that's why we're ta- going to be talking about some of these things. The uh, chronological Bible uh, has uh, has the two right. Uh, if you're familiar with that chronological Bible that was uh, per- uh, put together and has been available for several a number of years now. And uh, they have the two right, right uh, beside each other in there. Um, and again, that doesn't necessarily prove whether it was one sermon and two different people's rendition of it, or if it was one large sermon and then shortly thereafter uh, the sermon given again in a very, uh, very uh, smaller context or very uh, yeah, condensed version. Um, so let's. Uh, Let's now go to Matthew and begin to uh, uh, discover why these two were, in fact, very close, uh, even though Matthew uh, puts his sermon right in the beginning of his book, uh, after the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I am guessing that Matthew had a purpose for that, and that it's actually a, a good purpose. <clears throat> like I said, those things don't really matter. Uh, necessarily. All right. Uh, one of the things that we don't have here uh, is the um, in Matthew is the actual calling out of the twelve apostles, the naming of the twelve apostles ahead of this sermon. However, we do have something here that is uh, directly uh, parallel to Luke's uh, rendition, and that is found here. In Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 24, or maybe I'll begin in verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of diseases and all manner, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. So that, that scripture is very much a parallel of what we had looked at here in Luke 6 verse 17. When it says that he came down with them and stood in the plain and a great company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of Jerusalem, out of Judea and Jerusalem and so forth. And he healed them of their diseases and they that were vexed with unclean spirits were healed and the whole multitude uh, sought to touch him. And so those 
scriptures are very much parallel. They're, I'm fairly confident they're describing the same uh, same event, same time frame. And that uh, is right ahead of the giving of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and also in Luke, right ahead of the giving of the Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew here, uh, immediately after that healing of the of all those folks and and people coming to him from all over, Matthew then records in chapter five verse one, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he taught them. Uh, and Luke, of course, uh, gives us the, the thought that he went up into the mountain, spent a night in prayer called out his twelve apostles, came back down from the mountain, uh, did all the healing, uh, and then gave the sermon uh, on the, as, as Luke gives it. <clears throat> so, uh, now let's look, let's look at the end of uh, both sermons now and get some context there. Uh, so let's begin in Luke, in Luke 7, verse 1 and 2. It says, Now when he had ended all these, all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And so he went to Capernaum, and he met this centurion whose servant was sick. Let's go to Matthew and find out where that is same scripture is or same uh, situation Uh, if we go to Matthew chapter 8 Matthew chapter 7 ends the sermon uh, on the mount and Matthew chapter 8 we have uh, we have a little uh, account of a leper there when he comes down from the mountain verse 1 he says he came down from the mountain great multitudes follow him and when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes follow him. We have the account of a leper, a small little account there. And then in verse 5, it says, And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And so on the, on the, on the far side of the sermons, both of them also have the same context. Uh, after he finished those sermons, both of them record him going to Capernaum, meeting the uh, uh, centurion whose uh, servant was uh, sick. And so we look at all that again just to, to uh, uh, set the groundwork for how we're going to look at this sermon. Uh, so it... Uh, yeah, it basically we have uh, we have uh, ahead of both sermons we have him healing the sick we have him uh, uh, multitudes uh, being healed and after after both sermons we have him going to Capernaum. So whether uh, whether or not it was one sermon and two renditions of it by two you know two different individuals, it could well have been that it could well have been that but it really doesn't matter. And whether it was uh, two different sermons. Uh, given to in two different contexts, uh, they were probably really, really back to back, and that is a possibility uh, also. 
And like I said, it, 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 it actually doesn't matter. Uh, but um, <clears throat> the thing that I would like to, uh, that has stood out to me and we'd like to consider here is the context of these the sermons, both of them. We're probably, today we're going to focus more on, on, on Luke. Uh, but uh, the context and the fact that this, this the sermon, uh, this uh, sermon was given immediately after calling the twelve apostles, naming the twelve apostles. Uh, that, that caught my interest and uh, would like to... Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, stimulate your interest in that whole thought as well. Uh, that uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus gave probably both of these sermons, whether it was one or, like I said, uh, we get a much broader context in Matthew. Uh, than we do in Luke, but that these sermons were given just immediately, uh, just very shortly after he called those twelve apostles, and uh, and to think through that a bit, and to think of uh, Christ in his ministry and where he's going, uh, and how he is uh, he is uh, uh, following him as he as he progressively works at establishing the principles of his kingdom and 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 all that so that's a bit where we're going um, <clears throat> and basically what I'd like to uh, uh, us to consider at this point is that you know so Jesus uh, called those twelve named them apostles and then gives this sermon and lays out the framework of his kingdom, basically is what he's doing in uh, 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 both of them. Uh, and if we're left uh, feeling like we have a condensed version in Luke, we can re- go right over to Matthew and see a very expounded version. And, uh, and uh, that was of interest to me that as he calls out those disciples appoints them their uh, responsibility, and then lays out to them the framework in which his kingdom is going to work and function. And uh, we'd like to explore some of that in this sermon and also probably in future sermons. Um, And the thing we're going to explore today is how drastic a shift this kingdom and its its framework of operation, its its uh, its uh, uh, its concepts, how drastic a shift it was from what they had known prior, from their Old Testament experience, and we're going to look at that uh, here this morning. Uh, it was a total total shift in perspective in. And we'll uh, try to explain some of that as we go. <clears throat> so let's, um, of course, we have here, and maybe before we go back to the Old, Old Testament and look at a few scriptures there to get, to get the, to understand that total shift, uh, 
just going to go over here again to Luke and read those few blessings that are there. Think about this, and then uh, we'll go to, to the Old Testament and see what God had to say there. He lifted up his eyes in verse 20 of Luke 6 on his disciples and said, Blessed, blessed, blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Um, and we'll just let that there. Uh, blessed are ye when ye hunger. Note those words. When ye weep. When ye... Uh, uh, when ye, blessed be ye poor. Blessed are ye, are ye when you're persecuted and hated. And all those kind of things. Just keep those things in your mind. And then go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. <clears throat> and we're going to look at... Uh, what God told them the blessing would look like in the Old Covenant. Um, and to realize how sharply different the context or the, the uh, uh, New Covenant blessing uh, is. And we'll try to make that or get that to where we can grasp it in our own uh, thoughts and minds. So in Deuteronomy chapter 28, in verse 1, and we're going to read a number of verses here. And just notice and think in your mind how different this is from what we just read in in Luke 6. In Deuteronomy 1.28, And it came to pass, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently, diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord... Thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee, that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, and in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle and in the fruit of thy ground, and in the, land which the, in the land which the Lord swear unto thee, unto thy fathers to give thee. 
The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. The Lord shall make thee the head, not the tail. Thou shalt be above only, thou shalt not be beneath. If thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, I will command thee, which I command thee this day to do in the, to this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day to the left hand or to the right, to the right hand or to the left, and to and to go after other gods to serve them. <clears throat> and so there we have fourteen verses of just profound blessing on them if they obey and walk with God. Uh, but notice how very, very different the blessing is there than in the New Covenant. I mean, it's just total opposite. It's a blessing of, uh, of uh, uh, first of all, a blessing of being on top, being the top nation, being uh, their enemies are all going to be under their feet. Uh, it's the blessing of of uh, storehouses that are overflowing with goods. Uh, everything they put their hands to is just going to prosper. Uh, it's a blessing of uh, just, yeah, I mean, we read it. Just, And obviously, it's, uh, it's largely outward focused here. But uh, we see the, uh, the, the drastic uh, difference. You know, if we... Uh, <clears throat> If we were to try to take this thing of the of of blessed blessed, uh, if we were to try to somehow have this spot, we'll call it a spot, this place that we can be inside this circle, and inside that circle is a place. It's a it's a you know, we think of the word blessed. What does it mean? What, what, uh, what did it, what, uh, what, um, how do we define it? Uh, I think in, uh, in some of the definitions of the word in the New Testament are like, uh, happy. Uh, it even gives the idea of to be envied. So if you're one of those blessed individuals, you kind of, you're in a spot where everybody would like to be. Does that say it? Kind of in a, in a spot that is the best place to be. It's the best available spot to be or the best possible spot to be. To be the person who is, in fact, uh, that blessed person. Uh, and so in, uh, in Israel's time, in their, uh, in their uh, in experience, in their walk with the old God in the Old Testament... Uh, that place, when they were in this place of being blessed, it was that 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 whole experience was surrounded with with all these things we just read about, surrounded with uh, prosperity, surrounded with uh, uh, success, surrounded with being being uh, a people that are looked up to, a people that are feared, a people that are regarded. As uh, as uh, as a, as a nation to be feared, you know, and, and all those kind of things, and that is the context of an Old Testament blessing. 
and the context of a people in the Old Testament who were blessed, who were found themselves or, or managed to be inside that circle, in that spot of blessing. That's what it was. Uh, and we would, I think we could say that it was during Solomon's early reign, I don't know how far it went and how long it went until things started to deteriorate a bit because of disobedience, but that, that if there was ever a time that Israel actually got to the pinnacle of that experience that God wanted for them and what God describes here, it was in Solomon's early reign uh, when we have the Queen of Sheba coming and and just marveling at what was uh, going on there in, in the in the kingdom there and uh, saying that uh, the half hadn't been told. You know, she heard about it and the half hadn't been told and it, and it was so marvelous it took their breath away, you know. And, uh, and that was an example of where uh, the nation actually got, got uh, to the point where that God could bless them in the way he said he would. Uh, but that's, uh, so that's our Old Testament context of blessing. Now, think about the apostles and the disciples of Jesus. Um, this is their history. This is their normal, uh, uh, way of uh, processing uh, God's blessing in their lives. What we've read here. And when they are prospering and when they, things are well with them. This is what it's going to look like. What we read here in Deuteronomy. And uh, in fact, uh, so when uh, when Jesus comes, and, and, and going back now to uh, the sermon on, on uh, in Luke there. And Jesus says to them, blessed be ye poor. Whoa! Wait a minute. This is. This is. What are you saying? Blessed be ye poor. When you bless God, we prospered. Our storehouses overflowed. We had more and we knew what to do with. Blessed be ye poor. Blessed be you that are hungry. Hungry? When we're blessed, our storehouses overflow. What do you mean, hungry? Blessed be ye that weep. Weep? When you bless us, God, we, we, we're rejoicing and everything is going well and our enemies are under our feet and blessed are you that weep? Well, blessed are you that when men hate you and when they separate from you, com- you from your company and when they uh, cast you out and and you're kind of the you're the scum, you're the no goods, you're the you're the ones they don't want around. Well, that's totally opposite of what it used to be, or what Jesus was, or what the Old Testament taught. They were going to be the top. Their enemies are going to be under them. But blessed are you when you're persecuted. And people hate you. And they cast you out. Total, total shift in, uh, in context or in, in 
in principle of how this kingdom functions. Now, I think, I think we well understand, well, no, let me, let me make this one statement before I move on here. You know that it's it's interesting to me now, and I'm I'm bringing you back to this, that the Lord Jesus, after he appointing those disciples, he, he, he lays out the framework of his kingdom and begins to instruct them in how his, this new kingdom's gonna function. And, uh, if you, and you're familiar with it, I am fairly certain most of you are, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, just before Jesus ascends, and I'll just quickly turn to it and read it. You don't need to turn there. But they're out there, and Jesus is giving them his last few words. And in verse 6 of chapter 1, the disciples... uh, when they were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, he had taught them these years. We know he taught them the Sermon on the Mount and many, many other things. But he is ready to leave and they come to him. Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What were they thinking? They were thinking about what we read in Deuteronomy. A time will you now again bring Israel from being down here trodden upon people and bring them up to where they are now the top. And their enemies are under them and other kingdoms and nations will be uh, subject to them and they will again be a prosperous people and they will again have uh, their storehouses will be blessed and their uh, everything they put their hand to will be blessed and their enemies will come out one way and flee seven ways. When are you going to do this, Lord? They didn't fully, you know, the Lord Jesus gave them the Sermon on the Mount and many, many other teachings. And uh, it, it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came that they were able to fully grasp and understand uh, where, where, what our Lord was really, really trying to uh, show them, teach them. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, now as we look at... Uh, as we look at this, these words here in Luke just for a bit, you know, uh, blessed be ye poor, okay? Blessed are you that are hungry, blessed are you that weep, and blessed are you when men hate you. So basically we have four requirements to be in this spot, right? We just got to be poor, we just got to weep, we just got to be hungry, and we just have to be persecuted. Is that... Is that the gospel? Okay, go out. Just make yourself poor. Just cry a bunch. Uh, throw all your food away so that, or give it to someone else so that you're hungry. I don't think that's exactly where Jesus was going with that. But I do want us to think about... Uh, you know, I'm not sure what this all actually means uh, necessarily. What does this mean to us today? But uh, I will say this. Uh, as we consider Jesus giving 
the disciples, and especially the twelve who were now going to be appointed to carry on his, uh, to be his disciples and to be taught and then to carry on when he leaves. Uh, <clears throat> Here's one thing that I, uh, 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 just think again of the disciples and their posture and their understanding of what it is when God, when you are in a place of blessing, when you are in a place with God where God's blessing is upon you and their understanding of that circle was what we read in Deuteronomy where you've got the, you know, you've, you've, your enemies are under you and you're, you, you've got your prosperity and your, your crops are doing well and you've got much more than you can use and all those kind of things. I believe what Jesus is telling them here is uh, that he's, he's introducing them to that major shift of perspective and the fact that uh, you can be a, the poorest man around. Uh, you, can be the, uh, uh, you can be a hungry man and not have enough. You can be, uh, uh, you can be for whatever reason, weeping, sorrowing over whatever. Uh, and life seems to be all against you. Uh, you can be persecuted and cast out, and you can be trodden down. You can be the you can be the the most despised person on the earth. And all, at the same time, all that's happening, you can be in that place of blessing, the the top place to be found, if we may say it that way. That place that that place of uh, that is the envied spot. In other words, and when we say the envied spot, uh, that uh, you're still. You can; uh, those things can be a reality in your life, and all the while you can be in a, in that place of I don't know quite how to describe it, but uh, where you're right in the will of God, and uh, the blessing of God is, is is upon you, even though those things are realities in your experience, uh, and that was totally different from the old covenant and the old. Uh, dispensation <clears throat> and like I said the disciples didn't fully grasp that shift until uh, until uh, Pentecost until the Holy Spirit came And maybe we could uh, jump ahead a little bit in our thinking and, and consider uh, what the uh, some of what the apostles had to say then after after Pentecost and after after they actually did grasp this concept. Uh, and I'm going to just jump ahead and get a few more words of Christ here in Luke, which starts to uh, actually relate to the devotional this morning. Uh, Luke 22, excuse me, Luke 9.22. Luke 9.22, Jesus says these words, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. So he lays uh, out before them what's going to happen to him. And then he says, and he said to them all, if any man come will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a castaway? Um, and so there we have, uh, again, this, this uh, total shift of concept. Instead of being on top, instead of uh, uh, being the prosperous, instead of uh, uh, the blessing being there, instead of the blessing being there in prosperity and being on the top and being the the, the uh, looked up to people and being the, you know, whatever in the world. Uh, it's, it's shifted to uh, uh, actually surrendering all those the possibilities in a sense. Uh, uh, denying ourselves, denying the, uh, uh, the opportunities to uh, uh, how do we say it? To to uh, to not be looking or to realize that the blessing is not uh, where it used to be, but the blessing is now in denying in denying our uh, uh, those those kind of uh, uh, realities, perhaps, or those kind of to, rather than making those uh, successes our goal, the 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 exact opposite is now in play, where uh, uh, we actually. Uh, deny our flesh, deny the, oppor- uh, the desires to be the top, deny the desires to be the wealthiest, deny the z- desires to uh, uh, and uh, take up a cross and be willing to be the despised of our world and be willing to be the scum uh, and to be the rejected and all those kind of things. <clears throat> Think about it from the perspective of the disciples. Uh, even though they didn't quite uh, grasp that change and shift fully until the Holy Spirit came. They did, they did need to grasp it at some point because their expectation in what uh, uh, in what uh, success in this new kingdom looks like. They had to have a proper understanding of what success looks like in this new kingdom. And success in the new kingdom of Christ was totally different than success in the old old covenant time, and they needed to understand that. And they did understand it. Finally, when the when uh, as they worked as they moved through with Christ, and and Christ moved off the scene, and the Holy Spirit came, they got it. It clicked somewhere, uh, even though for most of them it probably wasn't until that Holy Spirit actually came. It did click, and they. And they they grasped it, and they uh, they went forward with that message, and and didn't falter from it. Uh, uh, they 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 and and it would have been a disaster if their expectation would have still been in the old. You know, the blessing looks like this: if we're blessed, we're on the top. If we're blessed and walking with God and in God's will, we prosper. It would have been a disaster if they would have continued with that expectation. But they didn't. They shifted and they, they managed to, uh, they, they grasped the shift. And the same is true for us today. You know, uh, as, be- as believers and as people coming to Christ, uh, it's, it's a disaster. It'll be a disaster if we expect an easy road 
as a Christian, if we expect life to be easy, if we expect people to, to love us because we're a Christian, you know, uh, if we expect uh, success and prosperity because, hey, we're walking with God. Uh, God's going to bless us and, and I'm going to start this business. It's going to do well, you know, and yeah, it might. But that's not a because that's not particularly because you're a Christian and it's not particularly because God decided that uh, because you're a Christian, he's going to. Uh, he's going to uh, reflect your faith by blessing you pr- with prosperity. That's uh, that's not his uh, purpose at all. Uh, but uh, we, and we'll try to talk about that more either either here or today or in later messages. <clears throat> but anyhow, uh, maybe just looking a little bit at the at the disciples then and there. Uh, uh, at least a few of them here. I have. Uh, we have Paul, and uh, he was not uh, one of the twelve necessarily, but came later, but also taught of Christ. And his testimony in Philippians reflects that he understood and had this, uh, this uh, clear expectation. Uh, in Philippians 3 verse 10, Paul says these words that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So that uh, that gives us a very clear indication that Paul fully understood uh, the place of blessing in the new in the in the kingdom of Christ uh, to. Uh, to have fellowship with him in suffering, to be made conformable unto his death. You know, this whole thing of if I, if I uh, seek to save my life, I lose it. If I lose my life for his sake, I will find it. Uh, we sometimes call it the upside down kingdom. Uh, Paul understood that. He, he sought to, uh, uh, to suffer, uh, in, in called it a fellowship of sufferings, uh, to be made conformable unto his death. In other words, to, in his own personal experience, to die daily, as I think he says in one place, to die daily to his own uh, personal uh, desires and and to live in Christ. So Paul had a grasp on that. Peter also talks about it in 1 Peter. uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter 4, verse 12, Peter says these words, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. And there again, uh, just breaking in there, Peter is, is wanting to be certain that, the, that uh, his listeners understand that fi- fiery trials are not to be thought strange. Uh, in other words, he wanted them to have the right expectation in being a Christian. Uh, because if they had the wrong expectation, there's a good possibility they could get discouraged real quick. And if they expected the road to be easy, and they expected the road to, to be, uh, uh, yeah, strewn with glories rather than trials, uh, they could, they could very quickly be derailed. And he says, Hey, don't think it's strange about these things that are happening. 
But, in verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse 14, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. I didn't look, but that could possibly mean be the same word blessed. Uh, it's possible that that word happy could actually be blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On your part, he is evil spoken of, but on their part, he is glorified. Verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And we'll just stop there. But it gives Peter's, again, his his, his understanding now uh, since Pentecost and he's. He's preaching and he's teaching and he's discipling and he's and he has a clear understanding of of the fact that uh, success in the kingdom of Christ takes on a whole different dimension than it did in the Old Testament uh, experience and uh, uh, and success involves suffering success involves uh, uh, persecution success involves uh, um, yeah, just uh, a very different uh, perspective than uh, than was uh, present in the old covenant. And so, for us, um, I think it's important that uh, that we and I know it's not it's not new to any of us. We we've been taught these things, um, but to again recognize that. Uh, and to be refreshed in our minds that uh, that uh, what it what uh, what that blessing looks like, and I hope to explore it a bit more, perhaps. Um, and if we're if we're in that circle, in that place of blessing, that desired place, that coveted place, and in the new covenant, what we would actually put in around there, you know. Uh, suffering is a part of it. You can be suffering and still be living and still be in that most desired spot. You can be hungry, not have enough, and maybe wonder where your next meal comes from and still be right in that most desired spot that there is to be. You can be, uh, you can be, uh, you can be poor, uh, and barely skimp by and still be right in this spot. Uh, where that desired place to be. In fact, the scriptures actually warn us that prosperity might actually hinder us from being in this spot. And that'd be something we could look at. But it actually warns us of that. Uh, it warns us of, uh, of uh, being cautious when everyone's speaking well of us. Uh, that that could hinder us from being in this spot of being blessed in the new covenant. Uh, again, just kind of contrasting this morning those differences and uh, how the disciples processed that and how uh, we should be uh, processing that as well as we go through life. And we can, uh, you know, when we think about uh, what uh, success in the New Covenant looks like, it, it looks, it's, it's not what most people would like. 
It's not that which pleases the flesh necessarily. And it's not what everyone preaches either in our world today. Um, a gospel of a cross, a gospel of suffering, a gospel of being uh, uh, persecuted or, or being willing to be persecuted or being willing to be taken advantage of and all those kind of things is not uh, what, every, what, what is preached in all uh, gospel churches. But uh, for us, may we again embrace it, may we, may we value it, may we see it uh, for, for its, in its clarity and its truth in, our, in, in, this, in the Word and then also uh, embrace it in our hearts and lives and experience. And, and, not, uh, and like Peter said, not, uh, uh, not consider it strange if uh, some of these things are a part of our experience, but to, to actually... Yeah, embrace it and value it and recognize that uh, the blessing isn't defined by prosperity in the new covenant. The blessing is de- is defined in other things, and and uh, we'll hopefully continue to to explore some of those things in future messages. So perhaps we could again take a moment and pray. If you're able, let's kneel together and close with a word of prayer. <clears throat> <clears throat> Our Father, we we thank you this morning. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for each one present and for their uh, profession of faith in you, their testimony of how you have brought them along in their journey. Today, Father, we ask again that these words could have been a uh, a blessing to our hearts, a nurturing, a uh, a. Uh, little nuggets of truth to uh, continue to strengthen us in our confidence, faith, and trust in you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for all that is recorded for our, for our edification and exhortation. Thank you for the freedom to gather this way. Uh, pray for our governments and their uh, challenges they face. And uh, pray that you would be in the one who guides them. Uh, and oversees the the affairs of the governments and and uh, Father, we pray that uh, uh, they would uh, be able to find solutions to their uh, difficulties they face in this in these days. And Father, that uh, that uh, they would continue to give us freedom to express our faith, to share our faith, uh, to gather undisturbed. Thank you, Father. Father, we pray again for any that couldn't be here with us this morning that they could too have had a blessing from you. And Father, that uh, you would go with us as we part from this place, that we would continue to walk with you in faithfulness. Thank you, Father. We again bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.